Welcome, fellow baseball fans, to episode 62 of the Banish to the Pen podcast, a group baseball blog produced by diehard fans of the podcast, Effectively Wild, the daily show from Baseball Prospectus. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the Baron of All Baseball podcasts. This week, I am proud to welcome back, well, we were supposed to, first and foremost, we were supposed to have two guests uh, two returning guests, but unfortunately one of our guests, Darius Austin, is having a little bit of car trouble, so we're hoping he's going to join us a little bit later in the program. But right now, on the Skype line, I have my good friend Alec Denton. Alec, how are you? Doing great, Ryan. Glad to be here with you this morning on this uh, final day of the season and talk some baseball. Yeah, it's almost kind of a bittersweet day in some ways. You know, uh, we you know spend all year waiting to get to the playoffs, but then you know, the playoffs come and it, you realize the end of the baseball season is going to be here really, really soon. Yeah, luckily we've got some exciting uh, baseball to distract us from the coming end of the season uh, until that happens. So. Yeah, that's a perfect teaser. Uh, first place I do want to start with you, though, is uh, the first place we start every week. Uh, I want to have you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, uh, your Twitter handle, um, if, they, if you write other places, where they can find your work, uh, who you're a fan of, and uh, just whatever you want to share. Sure. So I'm a uh, Tigers fan, a Michigan native living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I do sports Twitter at Aldlandia, A-L-D-L-A-N-D-I-A, uh, and I write at Aldland.com, that's A-L-D-L-A-N-D.com, and we do try and cover all sports. I do a lot of baseball, a lot of Tigers, a lot of Braves, um, college football, pro, hockey, um, anything that we can write about and try and write things that would be just interesting to everyday common fans. Um, try and provide some different types of insights or just share a fun experience, whatever it may be. But that's what we do there and uh, really enjoy it. Really enjoy doing uh, writing for Banish to the Pen and coming on the show with you. Yeah, well, uh, Alex, definitely a great follow on Twitter, and uh, I'm definitely a good fan of his uh... – I don't know if side project's the right word, but uh, your other project as well. So uh, definitely check that out as well. Um, big fan hey. of your work over there. Like I said, I, normally we would be jumping in with Darius as well, who's having some car trouble. Hopefully he'll be joining us shortly. But uh, I think, as you mentioned a second ago, the place to start is we're recording this uh, Sunday morning. We've got about three or four or five hours until all the uh, baseball games start. Game 162 for everybody at 3 o'clock. And... We have a couple of incredible, I mean, we still have pennant chases going. Uh, no question. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Game 162 for actually except Cleveland and Detroit, and who had a uh, rain out on Thursday. They had about six inches of rain in under 24 hours in Detroit, and the field was not at all in playing condition. And so they've set up a situation where, if necessary, and it almost certainly will be necessary, those two teams will play a makeup game on Monday, which means that the there's two things that may not be resolved today, kind of oddly. Um, one being for, for Cleveland and the other American League divisional winners, the home field advantage situation once the divisional series begin uh, later this coming week. And then Detroit uh, and I guess Toronto are unclear as to whether they will, in fact, clinch the second wildcard spot. Um, so really, a lot's still up in the air today. 
Yeah, so if, I think if I have it correct, uh, Detroit needs to win today against Atlanta, and one of Baltimore or Toronto needs to lose? For the Tigers to get in, that's right. And there's uh, Evan Woodbury is a new uh, beat writer on the Tigers scene. He writes for MLive, and he set up a really neat uh, just sort of chart as to what the different outcomes are. And so I'm going to borrow from that right now and just – as you said, the Tigers have to win today if they want to have any shot at it. Uh, and they also need one or both of Baltimore and Toronto to lose. Um, in, in all likelihood, that will then force uh, the Tigers to win again in that makeup game on Monday. Um, and then that just ripples out into numerous tiebreaker situations. But that's the, as far as what to watch today, if folks are listening to this on Sunday before the games. Um, that's kind of the basic lay of the land in terms of who's going to represent the American League in that wild card game. So help me, because I'm sure as a Tigers fan, you've done the math, but what happens if they win today, we get a loss, and then they win Monday? How, how much, or how many games, or how much baseball are we going to see the Tigers before they even play a playoff game? Yeah, I think they could then, they could get into a situation where then there's a three-way tiebreaker Detroit, Baltimore, and Toronto for two wild card spots, uh, and I guess there's some scenario that waits that who has home field, so they could have to travel. Basically, they could play beginning Monday, which would be that game would be in Detroit against Cleveland. Then they could travel to either I guess Baltimore or Toronto Tuesday. Um, and then I'm not sure that they could anyway. In other words, they could play, I think, five games in a row in five different cities if they then went on to make the wild card, which might have to be pushed to Friday. Um, so I don't know. But it's uh, it could be a very wild week. Wow. I can't even imagine playing five games in five cities in five days. No, I think it would be totally nuts. But um, as we talked about before, it, this is the time of year where you just want to keep playing. And I know that. I mean, that would be a rough schedule, but uh, if you're, if, I mean, they're going to be, if, if whoever's doing that, they're going to be riding a wave of wins, and this is the time of year when you just want to keep playing. You can extend that season by even one more day. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's true, and it, it feels almost like a really bad movie, like a sequel to um, Major League or something. Okay, <laughs> now we just keep winning. All right, where are we now? I don't even know what city we're in. Right, right, right. All right, well, give me, uh, give me your take a little bit on Let's talk about the teams that have clinched a little bit uh, sure. so far. Your thoughts on Texas and Cleveland uh, and a little bit on Boston the same. Yeah, uh, Boston uh, looks really good. And, and as I think about it, um, I, I probably like them the best in the American League. Although, uh, again, doing things from a Detroit fan perspective, Detroit's had a lot of success against them. Uh, but Boston's just had a lot of success against everybody else. Very balanced, a lot of strong, strong young talent that has finally materialized and come on for them in a big way. Um, I, I think Cleveland, everybody knows they've got good pitching uh, at the top anyway, and that's that's what you need in the playoffs. It, it, it reduces playoffs are, are about pitching, but they're not about pitching depth, at least in terms of starting pitchers. And so I think they've got some arms they could ride. They're um, the rest of their team, though, I think has a lot of weaknesses. And Texas, similarly, I think um, Rob Maines 
who has done work for us here at Banish to the Pen and now is spending a lot of time on Baseball Prospectus, which is really neat. I believe he has taken a lot of look over the last couple of weeks at luck and the ways that luck has played into um, the successes or, or lack thereof for a couple of teams, including Texas. I think he's also looked at San Francisco in that regard. But Texas it seems to have been uh, very lucky in a lot of ways this year. A lot of wins in one run or close games. So it's hard to know um, when they're facing tough competition what is really their true talent level? Are they really a 95-96 win team, or, or are they something less than that and have been the beneficiaries of sequencing and, and other circumstances that may not bear out when it comes into the playoff series? Yeah, and I think all those three teams that you just mentioned have flaws. I mean, how good is the starting pitching for Boston? I mean, I know they spent the money for David Price, but he's been good, not great. Uh, the rest of the staff has some question marks. You know, Porcello, how great is he? I know he's had a great year. Cleveland, you know, I, like you say, they've got a lot of question marks. And we were saying off air, I mean, they're starting Trevor Bauer in game one of their playoff series. I mean, that just seems crazy is not the right word, but it just seems, it, you know, for all the top end pitching that they have for him to be the guy they're going to in game one seems strange. And like you say about Texas, I mean, they've just had a crazy run of luck this year. I, they're all great teams, but they all have a lot of flaws, too. Yeah, I think we can maybe charitably describe the situation that finds Trevor Bauer starting in game one as suboptimal. Um, and I think, and you're, you're right, on, on Boston, they've got Dave Dombrowski likes to spend money on uh, big, flashy free agents, and he paid a lot of money for David Price and Craig Kimbrell uh, in terms of big deals that brought those two guys in. And like you said, both of those guys have been good. They haven't been, I don't think, the elite levels that, that they probably anticipated they were going to get out of those two guys. Yeah, and, you know, I just, I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out. I mean, especially since we don't even know who the wild cards are going to be, but I I could see any of the five teams or the six teams, if we want to put, you know, Detroit, however it shakes out, I could see any of the six winning it in some ways. Yeah, I, I think there are. I mean, that's what we've known about the – that's what kind of makes it fun to have the two different leagues in baseball because you do have – they've been very different the last couple of years. Um, AL has been, in a lot of ways, a model of parity, and the NL has been very top-heavy. Um, and so you've got really a lot of heavy hitters in the National League. I don't know if at some point we want to switch over there and talk about that, but, I mean, the Cubs are a juggernaut and, and – You've got a couple of uh, just big-time teams with the Dodgers. Nationals have their outlook, as we talked about uh, earlier, before the show started, that has shifted dramatically over the last couple of weeks in terms of injuries, but still very strong teams. So um, Yeah, let's segue to the National League. I think that's perfect. You, you just kind of walked us right into it. I think yeah, we have to start with the Cubs. I mean, this is a team that's won, I don't know, they're over 100 wins now, and probably one of the more dominant teams I can remember in the last several years. But yet we come in and there's still flaws on that team. And there are a lot of expectations on a team that hadn't won in a hundred years. I mean, your thoughts on, on just the Cubs and the expectations first and foremost. Yeah, they're at, uh, I think they're at 102 wins today. So they could finish with 103, which I think they would be the only team 
as I look at it, uh, with more than 100 wins this year. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's a heck of an accomplishment. I mean, to win 100 games is, is really hard. Yeah, I think that's right, and any, especially anymore. I mean, we used to see 100-game winners, exactly. but it, it doesn't set up that way anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think, and so that, right, there's expectations, and upon expectations, 108 years, uh, World Series drought, I mean, that's a real thing, and I know that we try and, as we model ourselves after, BP fan graphs and, and look at the numbers. Um, you know, numbers don't love the ideas of momentum and that kind of thing. But we see teams can go on tears in the playoffs, and, and that's you talk about hot pitching, hot bats, and we may get back to this. If we talk more about Baltimore later on, but um, the Cubs have kind of laid low. It seems like the last couple of weeks and if there's this idea, well, do they need to turn it back on? Do they need to re-energize now that the playoffs are here? I mean, they've had – it's one of those teams that they knew they were going to be in the playoffs. They've had their eye on it since April, and now it's here. Now it's for real. Um, will they be able to win in October like they did in April and May? Um, I think so. I mean, there's every reason to think they, they should. Uh, but I think when you talk about expectations and, and how does that weigh on players, we we read Russell Carlton writing about the grind. They're, they've played 162 games since the spring. I mean, they're, um, they're a different team and maybe a better team than they were than when they started, but it's, uh, they've got all those miles on their tires, and, and will they be able to keep it up? And it's, it's a long, very long season. And I say this as a national diehard fan, but you know the Cubs have the, by far, I think, the best team, not only in the National League, but certainly you know overall, but definitely in the National League, just top to bottom, 1-25, to 25, I think they have the best roster. But you, like you say, I mean, what are their playoff odds still to win the World Series? Like 1-5? I mean, it's still, you know, the numbers say that they're not a lock, but goodness, you look at their team and they've got, you know, uh, Hendricks and Lester have both been, you know, if they're not going to be the Cy Young Award winner, they're going to be in the top five. They've got the two top candidates for the NL MVP. They've got a very deep roster. They traded for Chapman. Their bullpen is solid enough. I mean, it's got some holes in the front end of it, but the back end's good. It's it, they're a really good baseball team, but I don't, you know, I don't know. And I think, yeah, of course, they're definitely the best team. But uh, will they win? Like you said, may, I mean, maybe. I think probably, but. Uh, how often, and I haven't looked at this, but how often, and this is a thing that we see in, in a, you know, other sports where the um, playoff format tends to bring in more elements of luck and chance. Like in hockey, how many times does the team with the best record win the Stanley Cup? Almost never. Yeah. And same for baseball. So it, it's not a guarantee. Um and and so I think and that's what makes it exciting. It's not a foregone conclusion. I think that's why we're going to want to watch. Can this dominant team continue to succeed, or can somebody pick them off? Well, and I think kind of to build off that point a little bit. You know, if it was a best of I, I don't know twenty five series or whatever, sure. I, I think everybody would pick the Cubs over and over. Their depth is great, their team is great, and so forth. But in the best of five or best in seven, you know, it, like your hockey analogy, you know, all it takes is. You know, a couple of relievers getting hot, a couple of hitters that you don't expect to get hot. And the next thing you know, three wins or four wins in a week is not hard to get from another team, even if they're better than you are. So, 
I mean, we see it all the time. You know, teams go on four or five game losing streaks and it's nothing. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Cubs are the best team, but there are a lot of expectations. And, man, that fan base is really going to be t- struggling if they don't win it. Or at least yeah. get to the World Series, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. But the other thing is, there's the the thing that I uh, the, the lesson that I've taken away from, from following the Tigers over the last ten years, from when they went to the '06 series, is it's about, and that's you know that was young Verlander. I mean, mm. it's about assembling these players, and they've got them. Chicago has amazing players, and it's it's not about getting one shot. I think. Um, and the Nationals might provide a lesson. I mean, they they sat Strasburg down a couple of years ago, uh, put him on a pitch count, and they're like, oh, we'll be back next year. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but that's what you want to build towards. It's not building the one silver bullet team that's going to cut through everything and win it in your one shot. You want to get multiple shots um, if your goal is a championship. And that's I think Chicago point. has set it up so they're going to get multiple shots at it. Um, and that's that's really what you want to do. Um, I want to know what you think, though, about Washington. I mentioned the injuries, Ramos being the most recent one. How are you feeling now about Washington's chances after they've looked so solid? They had Daniel Murphy. They've got the great young pitching. Um, and then things just kind of get upended over the last month. Well, as I said to you a little bit off air, uh, I I can tell you just as a fan base, the Nationals fans are going in with zero expectations. The fact that uh, Harper was hurt last weekend, Murphy's been hurt for the last, I don't know, two and a half weeks, probably costing him the MVP or any chance at winning the MVP. Strasburg going down, Ramos getting hurt, and and I feel like I'm blanking on at least one or two more injuries. I mean, this team is definitely not going in, uh, you know, guns a-blazing. And this is a team that was really lucky for the most part in terms of injuries this season. I mean, you know, every team has a few, but... They stayed pretty pretty healthy for the most part, and now you know, we have no idea who's going to start a game four in a, in a playoff series. I mean, we're trying to bring back Joe Ross or piggyback him with a Ronaldo Lopez. So it's, there are not a lot of expectations, but then again, the, the fact that they have home field against the Dodgers is a big advantage. I mean, the Dodgers are terrible uh, on the road. They're outstanding at home, so that's a big advantage. Uh, the Nationals have a lot of right-handed bats to try to counteract going against Kershaw and Hill and probably three to three of the games anyways. But, you know, I mean, it really feels like a 50-50 matchup. I might favor the Dodgers just a little bit because they're healthier, but and they have Clayton Kershaw. But, you, you know, if you ask that of a Dodger fan, I'm sure he's probably going to turn around or she's going to turn around and say, well, shoot, we got to go against Max Scherzer and Tanner Roark for three or four of those times as well. So... I could really. I think it's going to be a great series. To be honest with you, uh, I I think the injuries really hurt the Nationals, but I also think that maybe this is the year that the Nationals win a playoff series. I just I think the home field really gives them a good chance to to sneak out in five. But it, you know, all of a sudden, if they they lost in three, and you know Harper can't hit and Murphy can't run, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them get swept as well. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm I'm almost too close to it in some ways. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't, couldn't disagree with that. I think, yeah, I, I think it's. I probably favor the Dodgers uh, over the Nationals because they've got the best pitcher, um, and they seem to be have. I don't know. They seem to have played better recently. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I really don't know how to read the Dodgers. Uh, I haven't watched them very carefully, but I don't know what to, what to make of them at this point. They've, they've been, they've been, uh, with and without their best player. And so I, I don't, I don't really have any great insights on them. What I am curious about is as it stands right now, we have the Mets and the Giants in the NL wildcard positions. And obviously the Mets uh, represented the NL in the World Series last year. A lot of young pitching that seemed to take a step backwards or at least not a step forwards this year. And then we've got the Giants, even your magic. They made their, I mean, St. Louis is a game out, but um, as it stands right now, the Giants are back in. Do you think either of those teams could win a series against one of the divisional winners? I mean, just get, starting with even just how amazing is it that these three teams are sitting here on game 162 with a chance? I mean, yeah. the Mets have gotten just blown up with injuries. I mean, they don't have anybody left from who they started the season with, I guess, except for like Cespedes. I mean, yeah. it's truly amazing. I mean, I don't know that Terry Collins will win manager of the year. It'll probably go to Joe Madden, but. I mean, the job that Terry Collins has done, and, and I've seen it a little bit, just, you know, Mets in the same division as the Nationals. And, yeah, I know they've beaten up on Atlanta and, and Philly like everybody has. But, I mean, the job that he's done is just to get them in the playoffs is one of the most heroic things I've seen in a long time. And, and then you look at, like you say, the even-year magic of the Giants and the Cardinals who are just, every year they somehow sneak in and, darned if they aren't really good and you got the Matt Holiday storyline going and it, I'm you know there are two teams that don't look very good when I'm talking about the Giants or the Cardinals and frankly even the Mets if you want to include them all but I'm I'm scared of all three in different ways I'm probably least scared of the, the Mets just because they're so beat up but they keep winning games but I don't want to play the Giants with their magic and I don't want to play the Cardinals who just seem to figure it out so to answer your question absolutely i think that they could beat i guess it would be the cubs if they got through so yeah but absolutely i think they could beat the cubs i mean your thoughts i mean i i mean for teams that are going to have 86 wins i wouldn't want to play any of those three guys or three teams no it's not a, it's it's a uh tough reward for having the best record to face one of those three teams that are um have had such postseason success. I agree that the Mets are the worst of the three. I think San Francisco has got to be the best of the three. They they have played very poorly in the second half, but they've they've got all the all the elements of a championship team because they've been a championship team very frequently uh, over the last few years. And so it, it's you can't forget that, or I can anyway. And when, so when I look at them, even though I see they they're going to finish with 86 or 87 wins, um, I think they still pose a very legitimate challenge uh, to any of the other three uh, NL division leaders. Um, yeah, they both and, remind me of kind of the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA. You know, sure. they finished third or fourth in in the conference. You know, you kind of forget about them, but they know how to get it done, and they get it done every year. And then you look up, and you're like. Oh, they're in the finals again. Oh, that's how it goes. Oh, right, because they're really good. It's like, I, I just, I don't know. I certainly, it, you know, you just, you've seen it too many times with the Giants and the Cardinals. It looks like they're down and out, and somehow they just, they have so much belief because they've been there before that they get it done. I, Like you say, I think that was perfectly well said. I think for having 102, 103 wins in a season, what a great reward to have to play one of these two or three teams. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, I, I guess it's maybe we should do predict, prediction time a little bit. I mean, I think we kind of it's only fair. All right. Well, so what are we predicting? All right. Let's start with um, first prediction. Let's start with um, all right. Uh, who win? Who gets through today? I think that might be the best. Let's just start there. Who who win in the AL? Who are who are our wild cards? I think, uh, as, yeah, as I said earlier, I think it's going to have to wait till Monday or maybe even Tuesday or Wednesday to sort it all out. But I think, uh, you know, I'm biased, but I think I think the Tigers will find a way. And so I think it will be Baltimore and Detroit as the wild cards. Um, and so, uh, and then so I guess they would face off probably in Baltimore. Uh, I don't like that matchup for the Tigers. They have um, not done well against Baltimore. And if you get Trumbo and company hitting home runs in Camden Yard, um, that that doesn't really uh, favor Detroit's situation. But I think it will be those two as the wild cards. And then we've obviously already got Boston, Cleveland, and Texas have all clinched. So. I'm I'm going to go with a little bit of a I hate to say it with you being a Tiger fan, but I think that Atlanta somehow comes up with a win today in their final game at their home park. Yeah, I I think that's a very real possibility. Um, we've gone we went Friday night, we went yesterday, and we'll go this afternoon. And it's kind of interesting. This is a sidebar in our prediction segment here, but uh, to watch these final three games, to watch how the crowd has built over the first two nights, and I imagine a huge crowd today uh, is what I expect will be. And uh, Friday night, it was really, uh, we were sitting out in left field, and a lot of Tiger fans. Uh, the place was not sold out, but it was the biggest crowd I had seen all year there, um, and for obvious reasons, the team being terrible, uh, <laughs> Braves, that is. And, um, but they Braves have been excellent in September and leading into October, and then uh, last night, even bigger crowd and extremely pro Braves crowd, um, and it helped that they were winning um, rather than getting sort of punched in the mouth with a couple of first inning home runs as they did on Friday. But uh, I expect it to be a, a very big, very pro Braves crowd for the final game, and I think the Braves will be fighting very hard to go out on a win. So. Okay, and then uh, I think I'm going to take Toronto over Baltimore in the uh, play-in game. I think, uh, okay. yeah, I just I, I like Toronto's team a little bit better on paper, but I'll be rooting as hard as can be for Baltimore. But I'm going to, uh, I'll do the hedge my bet, and I'll I'll pick the team that I don't want to win so that I win one way or the other. So, <laughs> uh, and let's talk National League real quick. Saying, uh, I, I don't, I think we'll leave. I'm sure we'll do another podcast before we start getting deeper into the playoffs. So let's just leave it at the wild cards. What are we thinking uh, NL-wise? How does it all shake out? Yeah, I think, so right now, what's, uh, Giants are in, Mets are have a game up on them, and then St. Louis is a game out. They play Pittsburgh today. Giants play the Dodgers. Um, I think I think they hold serve. I think the Giants will... Uh, will be it. I think the Cardinals will be stuck uh, on the outside looking. Yeah, I, I actually, I think it's going to, I hate to sound so lame, but I think it's going to play out chalky as well. I think it's going to play out the exact same way. Uh, so who do we have uh, winning the wild card uh, playing game? Uh, give me the Giants. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the Mets. I don't know why. 
I'll, I'll, I'll just be different. I'll take the Mets. Well, no, I mean, you, you watch a lot more uh, NL games than I do. Uh, Mets were, were they right there in the, in the World Series last year? I think that's uh, well, that would be a good pick. I mean, so who? I would just pay money to see Cindergard versus Bumgarner if yeah. that's what it ends up being. I mean, that would be, you know, get your popcorn ready and sit on the couch kind of stuff. I mean, that would be two of the five best in the National League, easy. Heavyweight matchup right there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, I, I think uh, who would win? The, so, who do we have winning the, the uh, wild card game? Do we already answer that? Uh, oh, I've well, got the Mets. You got it. Never mind. Pardon me. I, so, all right. I think that's uh, I think that's a good place to uh, maybe try to uh, pause it, and uh, we've got another topic that I want to move ahead on. So, okay. And now we are proud to welcome in uh, to the show, as I mentioned a little earlier, off car trouble. We have Darius Austin now. Uh, Darius, how are you? First and foremost, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, things could have gone better with the car. But uh, yeah, apart from that, I'm great. Thank you. Well, I'm glad uh, we could get you in, and I'm glad uh, you were able to uh, resolve those issues, so to speak, and still join us. So, uh, uh, I'd love to give you a spot here to introduce yourself, where you're from, uh, your Twitter handle, and everything else, just for those that may not be acquainted with you. Okay. Uh, for those who haven't already picked up on it, I'm obviously not American. I live in the, the UK, North Wales. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a bit of a different perspective I'm coming at baseball from. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DariusA64. Uh, on the topic of the UK baseball fan thing, I have been doing some stuff lately with uh, a site called uh, Batflips and Nerds. So um, I've got some articles up over there, and we've been doing a podcast. We had a good one recently with a, an Angels minor leaguer, actually, called Jordan Serena, uh, who recently played for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. So that was a fun one. Uh, and you can also find me over at Friends with Fantasy Benefits uh, doing fantasy things. Yeah, definitely check him out on Twitter. And uh, I, I've caught, uh, I think, one of your episodes of your podcast, and uh, it wasn't the one you just referenced, but uh, big fan of the uh, the show so far. So uh, definitely uh keep it going and congratulations and all that good stuff cool thank you yeah it's nice to have some uh, some other british fans to talk to uh, about baseball because uh, usually i'm talking to americans that so makes a change for me yeah i think the last time we had you on the podcast you were doing your pieces about actually coming to the united states and watching a game in person for the first time yeah that's right that was actually the, the guys from that site uh, heard me on the, the podcast and said uh, we'd really love to have you doing some stuff for us because uh, we don't hear many British people on podcasts. So that was kind of how that got started. Yeah, if anybody's curious about that, I definitely recommend you go back and find that show because uh, it was a very cool show to hear kind of the uh, first time as an adult going to a baseball game. I thought that was perspective was just fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it and hopefully other people did too. Well, unfortunately, uh, the topic that we have on our plate right now is not quite as fun as the one that I just mentioned, but uh, I, I did think that it would be remiss if we did not mention uh, the Jose Fernandez passing situation. Uh, I don't even know the right way to, to say it, but uh, just the tragedy, I guess, is maybe the best word. Um, I haven't really written about it or talked about it, but uh, I felt compelled that I wanted to say, kind of just kind of talk about it on air a little bit, but... Um, I think first place is just uh, I'll lead off with either one of you who wants to start, but just uh, kind of your thoughts on, on the whole situation. Uh, maybe we'll tag in Darius because uh, you're just getting in here. Yeah, it was obviously uh, an incredible shock. Uh, I couldn't really believe that I'd read it. Uh, I sort of started to get a couple of alerts and things come through, you know, on tweets and 
a couple of things I saw on email, the uh, MLB.com and that kind of thing. And I, at first I thought, oh, well, I must be reading this wrong, uh, that he dived. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, and it was obviously a, a horrible thing to realize that that wasn't uh, the case. And um, I think everybody found it incredibly difficult that day trying to come to terms with it because it was so sudden. Uh, it just really came out of nowhere, obviously. And uh, for somebody, as so many people have said, at, at that stage in their career, with so much potential to be taken away was uh, really unprecedented almost. So uh, that was a, a big shock for me. But um, I think if there's anything uh, nice that we can take out of this, and there's obviously not much because we've obviously lost a, a great talent well before his time, but um, there's been so many wonderful things written and, and so many nice podcasts and uh, spots on, on TV and, and things like that. Uh, so many people saying wonderful things about Fernandez, what a joy he was to watch how he really sort of encapsulated the spirit of the game and uh, just was um, one of those players who you couldn't really take your eyes off, whether he was pitching or just on the sidelines. People have been circulating that uh, clip of him when uh, Stanton hits the home run and uh, you just can't possibly imagine anybody being happier than him at that moment. So, yeah, still kind of really shocked that it happened and, and sad that we won't get to see him again, but it's been... Uh, also wonderful to see all the things that he brought to people's lives over the last few days. Yeah, uh, very well said. Uh, Alec, kind of same idea? Yeah, perfectly encapsulated, uh, Darius. And I think it's been, uh, there was the initial still shock of the suddenness of the way it happened here in, in the U.S. on the East Coast, waking up, sort of getting that, be the first news that hit you in the morning and kind of being confused and you know, is this is this real as he said am I reading this right and then uh, but what has been so impressive is all of the sort of the testament to what a great life he lived and a reminder of how great baseball can be to a community and to the people who play it and what it really is to see guys who just love the game and who play the game with that joy and to to read about uh, the connections that he had in his community it seemed like he was just an absolutely perfect fit in South Florida with his history uh, coming over from Cuba and uh, just a loving person to his family. Um, it's been, it, it, it is uh, heartening to read and inspiring and also uh, just a reminder of, of how much was lost in, in one young man. Yeah. It- well said both both of you guys i mean i woke up last sunday actually a week ago basically to now and with the news going across sports center that jose fernandez had passed and i I mean my first reaction honest to goodness was was it the old shortstop jose fernandez who was you know more 40 45 my age that was my first thought and second thought was just I, i i kept repeating just over and over that i won't for uh, the editing process used the words that I was using, but it was a lot of four-letter words just over and over. I mean, I was really crushed by this. And, you know, I lost my mother a few years ago kind of tragically, and so that really changed my idea of what, uh, you know, life and death and, and things of that nature and caring about, you know, who, you know, I guess the way I'm trying to say it is it's really hard for me to feel terrible now about somebody that I've never met passing, but this really... I mean, for many hours on last Sunday, you know, and, and still in some ways has me just kind of stunned. I mean, just, I mean, the guy, the young man, you know, came over, you know, from Cuba and saved his mother and, 
came over and fulfilled his potential and was just this wonderful young man. And yet, you know, it, it's just, it, it was really crushing. And uh, the other thing that kept coming to me was just this feeling of what if. And some of that is just, you know, I, I fancy myself a scout or, a, you know, a baseball guy, what have you. And we always get the answer to whether a baseball player's, you know, did this guy work out or did he not? I mean, normally you get the answer. And, and I guess we did with Fernandez. I mean, he became great and one of the top five pitchers in baseball. But we never really found out how great he could have been for a sustained amount of time. I mean, he came up, he was great. Then he had the Tommy John. He came back on an innings limit. Then this year we kind of saw what he could be. And we never really saw him for a sustained three- or five-year period be the best pitcher in baseball. And and it's just that feeling of what if to me is just is is so sad. You know, unfulfilled potential, unfulfilled whatever. But I, I just I'm overwhelmed with the sadness of that to a, to a large degree. And obviously for his family and, I mean, I, I think his girlfriend or his significant other is pregnant with their child. I mean, it's just it, it it's so sad on so many levels. It's just it. It's really awful. Yeah, I think he said that the, the start he had uh, the week, uh, I think it was the Tuesday start, uh, was at eight innings, three hits, 12 strikeouts. Thing. He said that was the best start of his career to his teammates. And uh, yeah, it was a lot set. about it, like you said, did feel like so many things were sort of, you know, going right for him, as it were. And then for it to all be taken away so suddenly was, was really devastating. It really felt like he was kind of reaching the pinnacle of, of what he could be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that start was against the Nationals. I definitely watched it, and he couldn't have been better. I mean, really, it was eight innings or something, like you said, three hits, and he was just dominant. And you know, I mean, just you know, seeing him hit the home run and laughing around the uh, around the bases, and when he would give up a home run and somebody would you know pimp it a little bit, so to speak, he wouldn't get an attitude about it. He you know he just he was everything that was right about baseball, and yeah, I just. I don't know. There's so much I can, I want to say, and there's there's so little to say in some ways. Yeah, I love that clip uh, you talk about. He just respected the talent of everybody. Like he knew he was great, but he knew he was playing with great people. And he, I love that one where he he uh, snagged the comebacker from Tulowitzki, and he's like, "Did you just catch that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I did." And he's like laughing at him. I mean, <laughs> pure joy, excellence. Uh, and we've seen guys who are who seem to have senses of humor. We've seen guys who are extremely good, and he was that in, in one person and, of course, much more. But that was one of the many things that made him so fun to watch. And it's devastating. I mean, I hate to say it this way when, you know, people's lives are affected and everything like that, but it devastates the Miami uh, team, the the franchise, and everything else. I mean, you know, the, the attendance would go up 30 or 40% when he would pitch. I mean, he was the, you know, uh, I don't know the way to say it, the – the superstar Cuban player down in a heavily uh, Cuban community down in Miami. I mean, it's just, it was the perfect fit and the perfect storm of everything. And then, you know, just so quickly to, to see this, you know, unfulfilled talent, but also wonderful personality, just, you know, it's, it's selfish, but we don't get to experience that for the next 10 or 15 years. And that's the sad part, you know, for us, not for obviously for, you know, real world things. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, I think like, uh, like you said, it does feel like there are so many things to say about it, and yet uh, nothing we can say is uh, almost uh, good enough, as it were. Nothing's going to make a difference, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm not not really sure what else to say about him. Uh, 
think there have been uh, a lot of wonderful things said already and uh, it's been nice to to see all the sort of uh, the highlights the the Tudorwitzki moment in the home run and all of his celebrations and that the picture with him watching the fireworks even um I don't know, uh, a lot of people said as well, uh, and this isn't a Fernandez moment itself, but that they just lost it when Gordon hit that home run. And T, obviously, he, he broke down when he was rounding the bases. Uh, and that was an extremely emotional moment, um, but a, a great way to honour him in some ways as well. That was, and, uh, a, that was uh, a great line that T well, Gordon had. He said something to the effect of, you know, if you don't believe in God, you know, you better start because I've never hit a ball <laughs> that far in my life. <laughs> yeah, he really crushed it, didn't he? And uh, I know I think Cologne uh, gave him a, an easy pitch to hit, but yeah, there was something extra behind that one for sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great moment, and uh, it has been nice seeing it, the Marlins really come together for him. It's been sad, but it's been great to see in, in that way as well. Guys, I don't really know where else to go from here in that respect. I don't know how to to, to transition off that topic or to do uh, to really touch on much else so maybe this is a good time for us to just kind of wrap it up for the week and uh call it a day um Darius we didn't get you for a long time but we definitely got you in and I'm glad we got we got your take on the Fernandez situation uh just uh maybe say goodbye to the audience and uh we'll we'll get moving okay yeah so uh sorry for the the brief appearance but yeah you can find me on Twitter at DariusA64 uh, I should have the uh, the projections recap uh, that I was going to talk about a bit today, but obviously we kind of ran out of time on. Um, so that should be going up on the site in the next day or two, looking at uh, the, the predictions and the projections that we did pre-season, all Picota and the fan graphs, as well as our staff predictions and the um, effectively wild preview guests. Uh, so that should be a, a good one to watch out for to see who, uh, who won this year in terms of uh, being the most accurate predictors. Will you tease that a little bit? Because it seems like <laughs> it was awfully chalky in... Uh at least in the National League, maybe even in the American League a little bit as well. Yeah, um, I will say that uh, I think uh, we do have somebody, last year it was actually the effectively wild guests who, who had the most accurate predictions. So I will will tease that they haven't done quite as well uh, this year and uh, the Banished to the Pen writers have done much better than we did last year because I think we, we finished last last year. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave that as a tease, but I won't say who won just yet. I really hope I participated in this because I, I feel like I did and I can't find where my predictions went. So I really hope that they were there. So so anyways, I'm looking forward to that piece. And uh, Darius, thank you for joining us. And uh, I appreciate you uh, you know, getting over your, your car troubles. I'm glad everything's all right. And I'm glad you could join us at least for a little bit anyways. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Uh, Alec, uh, kind of the same thing. Say goodbye to the audience and all that good stuff. Yeah, really nice to be on with both of you this morning. Um, you can find me, if I'm not at Banished to the Pen, uh, at aldland.com. That's A-L-D-L-A-N-D.com. We cover uh, right now a lot of baseball, uh, but also we do try and touch on all the major sports, uh, football, pro and college, uh, hockey, basketball, and everything. Um, and so if you want to check out some more uh, sports writing, you can find it there at aldland.com. Also on Twitter, at aldlandia. And uh, again, just a pleasure to be talking to uh, both of you, Ryan and Darius. Yeah, thank you both for joining me on a Sunday morning. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this day 162 of the baseball season. I can't wait to park myself in front of the TV at 3 o'clock and see how all the playoff scenarios shake out and everything else. Hopefully, maybe we'll have some baseball tomorrow as well. That would be even better. But uh, thank you guys for joining me, and uh, I, I do appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks, Ryan. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was episode 62 of the Banish to the Pen podcast with my guests, both Alec Denton and Darius Austin. I want to thank them for joining me and uh, want to thank Alec for his uh, great insights this week. And I want to thank Darius for uh, coming on. I, uh, car trouble is, if it's not moving, car trouble is the second worst thing on the planet. So uh, I appreciate him getting over that and then, uh, you know, jumping on and talking to us a little bit. So thank you to both of those guys. Uh, I highly recommend following them on Twitter. Uh, both obviously and checking out their side projects because both of them are tremendous so shout out to those guys and thanks for joining me uh if i could i want to make one more shout out to uh everybody involved with banish to the pen the the writing staff the technical support uh people working the editors everybody behind the scenes um you know we've had a really really good product going now for a long time and, and i'm really proud of the site we've seen several of our writers uh use this as a platform to get you know, I'm using the quotes, bigger uh, platforms. We've seen Rob Maines, who was mentioned during this uh, broadcast, Matt Trueblood, and a few other guys uh, see some nice promotions. So uh, very proud of the show um, and very proud of the site that we're doing. So shout out to everybody uh, who works so hard. Also, if you do want to be part of the Banish to the Pen crew, we're always looking for writers and participants. So uh, if you would, uh, send a tweet to uh, ban at uh, Banish to the Pen or Banish to the Pen. And uh, give them a tweet. Let them know you're interested in joining in the uh, staff and uh, being part of this great team. So, With that, I am Ryan Sullivan at NatsGM.com on Twitter saying, be nice to your fellow listeners. <laughs>